As we've looked at the, the book of Acts, we've seen a lot of things happen. Um, most recently, in, in the chapters that have come up, we've seen the church explode with, with just huge numbers of, of people coming to Christ. Um, and then, in this last chapter, we, we see the first martyr being Stephen, who's, who's put to death. The Christians are, are being persecuted in, in terrible ways, and they're being um, driven to, to all different regions, and yet the gospel is going forth there and even throughout Samaria and, and, and spreading to the uttermost parts of this world. There must have been something just amazing about the early church and them gathering together and studying God's word and watching what was taking place. Being there and seeing people where it's like, this guy, he's, he's from this other country and he heard the gospel and now he's here with us. And that person, they were my neighbor and, and they were so far from Christ and now they're Christians. And just watching this take place where it's like weekly, who's going to show up? Who's going to be saved? Who's coming to know Christ? And just seeing that take place on a, on a daily basis. It tells us that daily there's those that are being added. When I was in high school, I, I taught a Bible study on campus um, my senior year, reluctantly, but it ended, it ended up being a, just an incredible blessing um, to me and, and a part of the Lord using that to bring about me being here today. But I think of, of during that time at, at, in high school and, and seeing those that came to the Bible study at lunch on Fridays and there was times, I think the, the, the first time we had like 15 people and it kind of just grew to where there was times at lunch where the whole room was filled and there was probably over 100 and some people involved with this Bible study on campus. And so you kind of knew who all the Christians were, those who professed Christ. And as time went on, you, you lose track of people and you don't see them for a considerable amount of time. I mean, as far as people that I see in, in high school, I, I, there's just a couple at this particular point. But, but, but then came Facebook, and, and things changed. And, and all of a sudden, you're able to see what certain people are doing, if you're into that, and, or what they want you to see that they're doing. And so you, you see those things taking place. And, and I've seen through these years people come to know Christ where I'm just like, oh, that person's saved. God saved them. I, I remember being at, at Claim Jumper and, and Pastor Don was still the, the senior pastor at, at Christ Community Church there off, off La Paz. And I walked in and there was a number of ladies from his church there that I knew and started just, oh, it's so good to see you guys and talking with them briefly. And then I look and I see someone that I went to high school with. And, and it was just... You're, you're the last person, I, not the last person, but you, 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 I did not expect you to see, to see you with all these moms of friends I have and people that I know from church. And talking with her, she's like, yeah, God saved me. And, and I became a Christian after high school. And she said, I, I look back thinking like, who was a Christian in high school? Like, who on earth was a Christian? I, don't, I didn't know Christians. And she said, I thought, you must have been a Christian. You're the person that came to my mind as far as that guy had to be a Christian. And, and it wasn't because of anything great in me. It was because 
of Christ in me. There was a difference. And we were friends, but I didn't do the same things that a lot of my friends did. But I was so excited to hear that she was a Christian. And since then, we've talked and we said, this person became a Christian too, and that person became a Christian as well. And, and it's exciting to see who God adds to the kingdom. At the same time, I've seen people fall away. People who once were a part of the church, people who attended that Bible study, and now they just want nothing to do with the things of God. You see people fall away where it's like, what happened to them? They once walked, at least it appeared that they walked with the Lord, but now they want nothing to do with them. In our passage this morning, we find someone that fits into that category. The first false disciple, a person that, that appeared to be a disciple or appeared to be a, a Christian, but it turns out that he's not. Let's look at our text. We're going to look at verses 9 through 25 this morning. But there was a certain man called Simon who previously practiced sorcery in the city and astonished the people of Samaria, claiming that he was someone great, to whom they all gave heed from the least to the greatest, saying, this man is the great power of God. Real quick, I, I'm going to stop for a second. Usually there's people that say, I'm freezing in church right now. And the fact that I'm cold right now up here, is anybody else cold? Do you just want to turn that down a little bit? Um, this is a very complicated thing, just so you know. Because there are people that are boiling hot here and people that have icicles there. And we, we thought about color-coding the pews. Like, these, this section is hot and... <laughs> this section is cold um what's bad is it's a husband and wife and one's boiling and the other's cold and people separated all over the place um but i think it's pretty chilly in here right now and so there's a certain man named simon previously practiced sorcery in the city and astonished the people of samaria he he does what's called magic before them um, whether it's magic that he's learned and he's there and he's doing these things or whether it's demonic, whatever is occurring, he's astonished the people of Samaria, claiming that he was someone great. He wanted to be great. He wanted to be known as somebody great. And they gave heed to him from the least to the greatest, saying, this man is the great power of God. And they heeded him because he had astonished them with his sorceries for a long time. He was well known. And now this man is coming to church. People knew who he was. Simon the sorcerer. Someone who did all kinds of works. People saw him and now he's there with the church. He's there with the disciples. He's there in their midst doing the things that they're doing. But when they believed Philip as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. Then Simon himself also believed. And when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and was amazed, seeing the miracles and signs which were done. So we, we learn a little bit more about him. It tells us that he believed and that he was baptized. Um, 
But what we're going to find is that it wasn't a real belief. In the book of James, he tells us, even the demons believe and they tremble. The demons believe. The demons know who Jesus is. The demons know what he's done. And, and they tremble before him. But they don't trust him. They don't love him. They don't desire to adore him. It's a false belief. It's a belief that exists, but it's a demonic belief that's there. And here's this account here. Simon believed, and he was baptized. But it tells us a little bit about this belief. He was amazed. He was amazed. He was amazed at the miracles and the signs which were done. He was amazed at all that was taking place. He's looking and seeing people that were blind able to see, people who were lame able to walk, people who were dead being raised again. He's seeing all of these things take place where there's people that, that are being healed. God's doing incredible things, and he's amazed seeing the miracles and the signs which were done. Now, when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them, who, when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet he had fallen upon none of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And then they laid hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. And when Simon saw that Through the laying on of the apostles' hands, the Holy Spirit was given. He offered them money, saying, Give me this power also, that anyone on whom I lay hands may receive the Holy Spirit. He sees this taking place, and he's like, I want that. What these disciples are doing, I want what they have. I want what they're doing. I want it to be where I can do that. I could go and lay hands on people, and they receive the Holy Spirit, and they're able to do these things. I want the power. I want to be able to do things and watch these things occur. And I want to be amazed at these things. And I want to be, have people be amazed at what I'm doing. I was a sorcerer and I've been a sorcerer and I've done all these things. And there's been great power that everybody's been amazed at me. And now I see this and I want what these guys have. I have money. I will give money. I'll do what it takes to get what I want. Um, there's a, a word that, that's used called simony that, that, that goes with people paying for certain offices within the church it comes from his name he wants power he wants these things and so it's what do i have to do what do i have to do i'll give you money make it so i can do what you're doing well peter says to him in the most gentle way possible (laughs) your money perish with you because you thought that the gift of God could be purchased with money. You have neither part nor portion in this matter, for your heart is not right in the sight of God. Repent, therefore, of this your wickedness, and pray, God, if perhaps that the thought of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you are poisoned by bitterness and bound by iniquity. And then Simon answered and said, Pray to the Lord for me that none of these things which you have spoken may come upon me. And so when they had testified and preached the word of the Lord, they returned to Jerusalem preaching the gospel in many villages of the Samaritans. This man wants these things, but Peter just goes out and says, you cannot purchase 
the gift of God with money. Your heart's not right. Repent. Repent of your wickedness. You're poisoned by bitterness. You're bound by iniquity. Repent. And so we find before us an interesting character that is brought up in Scripture where here's this guy that we're told believed and was baptized, and yet him desiring this power, desiring these things from God, he's just called out by, by Peter saying, no, you, you, your money perish with you. you. You thought that it could be purchased with money? May you, your money perish with you. What could be known of this guy? He said he believed. He went through with being baptized. He's at church. He's doing those things. He wants to be in ministry. He wants to be doing these things. And yet, it was all fake. And Peter knows immediately, just based upon his heart, your heart's not right. You're you're saying, here, I I got money. Give me what you got because I want to be able to do these things. And Peter's just able to see right through this man and say, like, here lies the problem. Now, this is what's known as the first false disciple or first false convert in in Scripture in in the early church. But this isn't something that's new at all. You you see in Scripture that that there's account after account of, of God telling us that there are those that would be false converts. In Matthew chapter 13, there's the parable of the sower. And it talks about how there's those that, that hear the word of the kingdom and they don't understand it and the wicked one comes and snatches away what's sown in that person's heart. That's the one that receives the seed by the wayside. They, they, they hear it. They, they don't understand it. And the wicked one comes and just snatches it away. There's also those that the seed falls on stony places. This is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, he immediately stumbles. And so that's the person, they, they, they hear it, but there's no root. As soon as hard times come, they're gone. And then there's the one that, that received the seed among the thorns, and he hears the word, but the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and he becomes unfruitful. So there's the, there's the three in which the word of God falls, they hear it, and yet they're not true converts. There's those that, that receive the seed on good ground, and those are the ones that hear the word, they understand it, and they indeed bear fruit and produce some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. But the previous three are those that they heard the word, and yet deceitfulness of riches, the cares of this world, the enemy comes in and gets it, persecution comes, and they immediately stumble. They don't want anything to do with it. And God describes these people. 
he goes straight from there. The next verse in, in Matthew 13 goes from there to talking about how the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. He went out there and threw seed in his field. But while he slept, an enemy came in and sowed tares amongst the wheat and went his way. And so when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, the tares also appeared. And the, and the tares and, and the wheat, they, they looked the same. Jesus tells us that the, the servants came, and came to the owner and said, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? And he said, An enemy has done this. The servant said to him, Do you want us to go then and, and gather them up? And he said, No, lest while you gather up the tares, you also uproot the wheat with them. So let both grow together until the harvest. And at that time, in the time of the harvest, I'll say to the reapers, first gather together the tares and bind them in bundles and burn them. But gather the wheat into my barn. There's wheat and tares. There's those that are within the church. They look just like the wheat, but they are not. Enemies come in and put them in and, and, and they look, you, you, you can't tell. And it's not our job necessarily to go through and say like, okay, let's figure out who all the tares are and let's, Let's, let's pluck them right now. Jesus says, no, at harvest time. But at that time, we'll deal with it. And so we see two examples there of those that are within the church that aren't true believers. I went from there to, to, to John chapter 6. And why don't you turn there with me for a moment to John chapter 6. It's an interesting section here because we find Jesus dealing specifically with these people. Let's first go to to verse 66, and then we'll come back. I'm sorry, 65. Here in, in, in John 6, actually 66, it says, From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. From this time, many of the disciples went back and they walked with him no more. They were walking with him. They were following him. They were going where he went. They were a part of that whole group of the followers of Christ. And now we're told many of them decided we're not walking with him anymore and jesus says to the 12 do you also want to go away do you guys want to leave also and simon peter answered him saying lord to whom shall we go you have the words of eternal life also, we've come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now, let's, let's look and see who are these that went away. If you're anything like me, you, there's been times in your life where you've thought, am, am I going to be that one? You see that with the disciples where he says, one of you will betray me. And the disciples, one after another, saying, is it I? Is it I? Is it I? But if, if you're anything like, like me, which you, you probably are, there's been times in your lives where you've doubted your salvation. You, you know your own sin. You know what you're capable of. You know what you do. And there's times in which you just think like, am I a true believer? 
I, mean, I have people that, that come and say, I'm petrified of the idea that I'm amongst those where he says, depart from me, I never knew you. I'm petrified of that idea. And so here we have an example here in John chapter 6 of, of many, many that walked with him no more. Let's try to understand something about these guys because it's going to directly relate to Simon, the sorcerer. If you look with me, just we'll scan the chapter. The first part is in John 6, 2. It says, Then a great multitude followed him because they saw his signs which he performed on those who were diseased. A huge multitude of people followed him because they saw his signs. Those that were diseased, those that had all kinds of ailments that were healed. A couple things you know about this is those that were those that no longer walked with him are part of that great multitude that followed him. They, they jumped on the bandwagon quickly and thought, all these people are doing this, I want to do it too. I want to follow too. I'll go too. Look at these signs. Look at these wonders. Look at all of these things that are taking place. I want to go. I want to be a part of that. I want something spectacular. I want to be able to be a part of all these things that are occurring. And so from there, Jesus goes and the next several verses deal with those that are there and they're hungry and there's a lad there with five barley loaves and two small fish and and they're saying what is this among so many and jesus goes and he multiplies the the fish and the loaves to where five thousand men are fed not to mention their the the women who are there not to mention the kids that are there there's probably been 20 plus thousand people that have been fed right here from the fish and the loaves Five barley loaves and two small fish. And this had to be incredible to see. Fish, loaves. I mean, to where there's 12 baskets left over of fish and, 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 and these loaves. There's, there's more than anybody could eat. Everybody was full from what had been made. And so when this is done, when, when, when they've eaten, in verse 14 it says, Then those men... When they had seen the sign that Jesus did, said, this is truly the prophet who is to come into the world. This is him. The next response is, therefore, when Jesus perceived that they were about to come to take him by force to make, them, to make him king, he departed again to the, holy, or to the mountain by himself alone. So here's these guys. This has to be the prophet who's coming to the world. What's the next thing they want to do? They want to go and take him by force and make him king. Something broken with that. There's something wrong with that. There's something Simon the sorcerer about that. Here's these guys, they've seen this miracle. Fish, loaves, people eating as much as they possibly want and they just think like, let's take him. We could take him. I mean, think of what would happen. We, We would... We'd never have to work again. All the fish, all the loaves that we could want, well, we'll have everything. Let's just, let's take him by force. We'll make him our king, and he's just going to feed us and feed us and feed us, and, and we'll have 
everything provided. There's no submission to his lordship. There's no recognizing him as the one who's come from God. They're, they're just there saying, I want what he's got, and let's take him. Let's do whatever it takes to get him and make him our king. And so Jesus escapes, departs to the mountain by himself. We see from here that Jesus walks on the sea, he arrives at the place, and they, they, they don't know how he got there. In verse 26, it says that um, they've said, Rabbi, when did you come here? How did you get here? We've been watching, and we don't understand how you got here. And Jesus answers them and says, Most assuredly, I say to you, you seek me, not, not because you saw the signs, but because you ate the loaves and were filled. Do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will, will give you because God the Father has set His seal on Him. You're following me because you want food. You, you seek me. You're trying to find me. You want me because you want to eat more food. Jesus deals specifically with the heart. Simon wanted power. Simon wanted to be seen by, by, by people as far as like, this guy is still amazing. Simon the sorcerer, he does all his things, but now he's able to just lay hands on people and heal people and do all kinds of things. He wanted power. These guys want food. But Jesus says, do not labor for the food which perishes but for the food which endures to everlasting life. You, you want more than that. You want the food that goes on to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you. You want that. So they respond and they say to him, what shall we do that we may work the works of God? What, what do we do? Tell us what we do so we can work the works of God. We want to be able to do those things. We want to be able to do those same things. And Jesus answered and says to them, this is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he sent. That you believe in him. That's the work of God. Now, again, if you're anything like me, there's been times where you thought, am I a part of that group of depart from me? I never knew you. And so I want you to compare yourself. Are you someone that's just searching for a sign? Did you come because it's just, this makes you feel good? Do you come because you want signs and wonders? Did, do, you, do you think, man, I, I remember this other church, man, that all kinds of crazy stuff was happening. I want that experience. Are you there for the experience? Are you there for Christ? I mean, Jesus is saying, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he sent. Therefore, they say to him again, what sign will you perform then that we may see it and believe you? What work will you do? They think of how absurd this is. 
He just multiplied fish and loaves. He just walked on water. Just calmed the storm. And now they're immediately going to, okay, what sign are you going to perform that we'll believe? Do a trick. Do a trick. Do something crazy. Do something so we can be amazed like Simon the sorcerer. Do something amazing. Our fathers ate the manna in the desert, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. You fed us one time. Our fathers, they gave us manna every day for years. What are you going to do? Yeah, we ate your bread and fish. We were amazed. But what about today? We're hungry again. We want food. And so Jesus says to them, most assuredly, I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of heaven is, for the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Moses didn't give that to you. My father does. And my father gives you the true bread from heaven, which is who? Christ. And so they say to him, Lord, give us this bread always. Make it so we always get this. We, we always want that bread then. And so Jesus says to them again, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger. He who believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And the one who comes to me, I will by no means cast out. I'm the bread of life. (laughs) Simon the sorcerer, he just wanted the tricks. He wanted the power. He didn't want Christ. These people, they wanted food. They wanted to work the works of God, but they did not want Christ. They're saying, give us this bread always so that we don't have to ever be hungry. And he's saying, I'm the bread of life. It's me. If you come to me, you'll never hunger. If you believe in me, you'll never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me, and yet you do not believe. If you're here this morning and when you say I believed and I was baptized, the main difference between are you, are you having the kind of faith that Simon the sorcerer had or are you having the kind of faith that a true disciple had? The question is this, is, are you looking for the power? Are you looking for stuff? Do you just want to make sure that you're going to heaven? Are you looking at it saying like, hey, I got to make sure I do all these things. I want to make sure I go to heaven. I want to make sure I got the power. I want to make sure things go well in my life. I want to make sure things are good. I don't want to be on God's bad side, so I'm going to do all these things because I want this stuff. Or do you want him? Radical difference between the two. Do you want the goods? Do you want the stuff? Or do you want him? Are you looking in your life saying, like, I believe, I'll do it. What are you going to do? Do a trick. Bless me. Give me this stuff. Or are you just like, like though they slay me, yeah, I'll, though you slay me, yeah, I'll bless you. I, I just want you, God. I trust you. I love you. I ask you for forgiveness of sins. I ask you to restore me. 
I ask you to make my heart like yours. I want to be in alignment with you. I want to do the things that please you. I just want to honor you. My only hope in salvation is, is that you died for a wretch like me. You took my sins upon yourself. You give me your righteousness. You did it all. My only hope is in you. You're the bread. You're the living bread. You're the one that I can eat of and I'll never hunger again. I could drink from you. I'll never thirst again because you satisfy every part of me. You're everything that I need. My whole faith, everything is in Christ. That's salvation. I mean, if you want to know if it's a true and living faith, is it a, is it a true and living faith? Do you trust in Christ for your salvation? Is He your bread? Is He the only thing, the only one that can help you and assure you eternal life? Because He died for your sins he gives you his righteousness whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life or are you the one that you walk the aisle you raised your hand you said the prayer you want the magic you want the power you want the goods you want all that stuff but you really don't care all that much about him at all there's a radical difference between the two and jesus brings this up here i'm the bread of life You say, give us this bread always. I'm the bread of life. You want me. You come to me, you'll never hunger. Who believes in me shall never thirst. Notice where Jesus goes from there. Because there's all these people that are going to depart from him in a few minutes. He says... All that the Father gives me will come to me. And he who comes to me, I will by no means cast out. He goes right to the sovereignty of God. Jesus does. Jesus is is looking at these people like, do the trick, do the stuff. We, We want this, we want these things, but they don't want him. And Jesus is just saying, all that the Father gives me will come to me. They'll all come to me. If you're here this morning and you're a believer, you know when it is that you've come to him. Or you know that you have come to him. You know that you trust in him for salvation. Some of you are sitting here this morning just going like, I was like the last person. Like when, when he said like that, that, that person, like they were the last person that they thought would be saved. I, I was that person. But God did this work in my heart. To where I sit here this morning and I know my only hope for this life and, 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 and for eternal life is Christ and Him crucified. My only hope for my sins being removed is Jesus Christ and His work upon the cross and my faith in Him. That's the only way that I can be saved. And Jesus, whoever comes to me, I'll, I'll never cast them out. Whoever comes, they won't be cast out. For I've come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of the Father who sent me, that of all he has given me, I should lose nothing, but shall raise it up at the last day. Out of all of them, of all that the Father has given me, I'll lose none of them. And so if, if, if you have the mindset of, well, what if Simon the sorcerer believed and was baptized, but then he lost his salvation? 
It, that, that's a totally unbiblical concept. If you look at the people in your life and you're like, man, I know that person was a Christian because they were walking with God. They were doing all these things. They, they went to church. They raised their hands. I heard them pray. I, they went on missions trips. They did all of these things, and yet now they want nothing to do with God or they've totally completely fallen away. They lost their salvation. I'll, I'll tell you, no, biblically speaking, that's not possible. Of all that the Father's given him, he will lose none of them. None. None of them. He tells us they went out from us because they weren't of us. If they were of us, they would have remained with us, but they went out to make manifest that they were never of us. Even in the midst of our sermon this morning, depart from me, what? I never knew you. It wasn't I knew you once, but... Chose you from the foundations of this world, changed you, gave you a, a heart that was soft. You once had a heart of stone. I did all these things for you. I gave you robes of righteousness. I made you a new creation in Christ. But man, I never thought you were going to do that. It's not even possible. He says, of all that the Father has given me, I'll lose none of them. I'm the author and the finisher of your faith. I began a good work in you. I'll be faithful to complete it. I hold you in my hand. My Father who is greater than all holds you in His hand. And there's no one that can snatch you away. Neither shall you ever perish. I give you everlasting life. I'll give you a new heart. I'll make you a new creation. I'll take all of your sins away. I will give you the very righteousness of Christ. I will seal you with my Holy Spirit for the day of redemption. He makes it so clear that we are saved. So Simon the sorcerer... He was a part of, I never knew you. You wanted the goods. You wanted the stuff. You wanted friends. You wanted the experience. You wanted the power. You wanted all of these things, but you never wanted me. You never wanted the bread that came from heaven. You didn't want it. This is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up on that last day. So do you fit in that category? That everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life. And I'll raise him up the last day. Believes in him. Believes in him as far as like, this is what he has done. This is who he is. This is how he saved us. Not, I recognize you did all these things, Lord. How do I do the works of God? How do I get the stuff? How do I do the tricks? How do I get the blessings? But those who believe in him in his work on the cross. From there, if you continue in, in John chapter 6, he says in verse 54, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I will raise him up at the last day. The blood of Christ. We read in Scripture that we are justified by His blood. We have redemption through His blood. We who are once afar off and brought near by the blood of Christ... Hebrews 10, 19, Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus. 1 Peter 1, 18, Knowing that, th- that we were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold, 
from your aimless conduct received by the tradition of your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Do you trust in the blood of Christ? His blood shed for the redemption of sins. If you're here this morning and say, my only hope is the blood of Christ. My only hope is that He took a wrath upon Himself that I could never take upon myself. He took my sin upon Himself when His blood was shed. The precious blood of Christ is precious to me as far as when I think of how I'm saved, I think of Christ and Him crucified. Just the same way that the Jews put the blood there on the door posts. There on the frame. And when the angel of death came over their house, if they had taken a lamb without spot or blemish and took the blood and placed it there, their house was passed over. Likewise, your only hope for salvation is that Christ, the Lamb of God, took away the sin of the world. And whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. It's placed on your account. That's your hope. And so, from there, many of the disciples turn away. Those that had walked with him, walked no more with him. And Jesus says to them, do you guys want to go away too? All these people have departed. Are you going to depart? And Peter answers, Lord, to whom shall we go? Is that your response? Are you going to leave? Are you going to become a Muslim? Are you going to go become a Mormon? Are you going to become a Jehovah's Witness? Are you going to become an atheist? Are you going to go and become a Buddhist? Are you going to come and be like this all-inclusive, like eh, all roads lead to heaven? Are you going to be a part of that group or are you going to be at a place where it's like, Lord, where else would we go? Where would we go? To whom else would we ever turn? You alone. Have the words of eternal life. You have the words for eternal life. We've also come to believe and to know that you are the Christ. The son of the living God. If that is your response, where else would we go? He alone has the words of eternal life and we believe that he is the Christ, the son of the living God. We believe that he died on the cross and he rose again on the third day. We believe that he took our sins away. We find his blood to be precious because it is that which was spilled for me so that I could have eternal life. Where else would we turn? Simon the sorcerer, he never went there. These disciples that left, they never would have responded like that. Those that went out from us, they weren't of us. Because if they were of us, they would have remained with us. 
But they went out to make manifest that they were never of us. They were never of us. Because he'll leave the 99 and, and he'll go get the one that went astray and he'll bring them back. The fact that you're still desiring to walk with Christ, the fact that you still love him, the fact that you still trust him for your salvation, the fact that you sit here this morning and say, like, yeah, you're right, my hope, my only hope is in him, makes great evidence that you are not a part of those that are false disciples. Because of all that the Father's given him, he'll lose none of them. Your perseverance, the fact that you continue in the faith, makes evident that you belong to him. Because of all that the Father's given him, they will persevere to the end. If they don't, he'll go get them. If he doesn't go get them, they don't belong to him. This is awesome for us. And I pray that it would give us great assurance that he is the author and the finisher of our faith, and we are secure in him. It will give a great explanation of those that want the stuff, but they don't want him. You may be one of those people this morning, you've always just wanted the stuff, but you never wanted him. May today be the day of salvation for you. Want him. He's the only one that can make you never hunger again and never thirst again. There's those that have fallen away, but he keeps us till the end. That's praiseworthy. Will you pray with me this morning? Lord God, we thank you for the text before us. We thank you for the example that we find in John chapter 6 as well of Jesus ministering to the disciples, hearing his heart for those that have fallen away. All that you've given him will come to him. And what a radical thing. All that come to him, he'll in no ways cast out. To be here this morning and to be able to know that there's just this invitation that goes out of believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. And to know that your Holy Spirit works in hearts to bring people to salvation, to radically change them. To where any one of us would be amongst those where people would say, I knew they were a Christian because there's something different about them. And the difference is you, Christ. The difference is what you've done in us. The difference is that you've changed us, that you're molding us and conforming us into your image. But to know that this invitation comes out, that whosoever wills, let them come. And all that come, you'll in no ways cast out. There's no one that's too big of a sinner to come to you. But you draw us and you bring us to salvation and you make us secure in you until our final breath as we enter into eternity. May we find ourselves just joyful in that place and worshiping you on this morning. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.